Hello. <laughs> Thank you. I'm glad to be back. Glad to be back. All right. Before we pray and sit down, my, my daughter and Leah, Leah and I were in Kenya for the past two weeks. And uh, so let me teach you a little Swahili. Uh, there's a, a phrase that they would often say, getting up in front of a, a group of people. And it means praise the Lord. It's Buana Asafiwe. And then the, the congregation would typically respond, Amen. So we're saying praise the Lord. Amen. Right? So let's do that. Buana Asafiwe. Praise the Lord. Amen. All right, let's pray. Father, we do praise your name. There have been people around this world for, for many hours who have been getting up and coming together to worship. Some of them walking for, for hours to be able to gather with the body of Christ and hear the gospel and, and share in what it is to be a son and daughter. Lord, thank you for the privilege that we have in getting together, that we get to join in with the throng that, that's already around the world and that some will be coming later in the day to do these very same things. And Lord, look down with favor upon us, we pray. Teach us those things that we need to know because we're your children that you have called to, to go out into this world and to be light in dark places. You're welcome here, O oh God, and we praise your name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Again, buona asafiwe. Amen. Amen. It was a, it was a good time. Um, we'll tell you about it. But today I want to teach out of Hebrews. And uh, I want to tell you to start with a little bit about my father. Uh, my father was a master mechanic. He passed away about three years ago. Uh, he was a master mechanic. He worked with Ferrari for over 20 years uh, directly for the company. And, and then uh, for another decade or so, he was, he was just kind of the local expert on Ferraris and kept on working on them. This is a picture of him uh, back in the days before there was color in the world. If you're young, there used to not be color. And uh, so all the pictures were in black and white. Isn't that the way it works? And he's working on... Uh, a car that's, uh, it was the 300th Ferrari ever made. And uh, it was a race car called a Testarossa made in 1957. And uh, so he's, wor he's working on that car right there. He, my father built a reputation of being able to fix the unfixable. And his reputation grew so much, and, and he was so honored for that, that literally people from around the world would call him to seek his counsel on what to do. Master mechanics from around the world would call my father because he was good at it. Um, and so I grew up with a father who was very good at what he did, and he taught me a lot. Uh, about working on mechanical things. I was, he, he taught me, among other things, how to tighten nuts and bolts and screws. Now, yeah, I, I hear some of you chuckling because anybody can tighten nuts and bolts and screws. And it sounds easy, but this is that same car. It sold for $10 million dollars. 
and, and he, he had it in his backyard for a couple of years. He did all the restoration on it and let me help him. Now, when you're working on a $10 million car, you better know how to tighten nuts and bolts and screws. Because I don't know if any of you have ever stripped out a nut or a bolt or a screw. Anybody ever done that? It can happen. And when you're working on something like this, you might strip out the only one that exists. You don't want to do that, right? Um, and, and, and when you're working this, uh, with, with things like this, you, you, want, you, you have to get it in the fine tolerance. When, when you're putting together pieces in a motor, you're not just tightening something down until it feels kind of tight. Uh, there, when, when you're bolting pieces, big pieces of the motor together, like, a, like the head onto, a, onto the motor, there's a gasket that goes in between. You may have heard of a head gasket. And, you know, so it, it's held on by a number of, of nuts and bolts that are there. And, and if you don't get them all exactly the right tension, then the air pressure inside will find its way out of that little place that's not exactly the same as, as the other, and you'll blow a head gasket. That's not a fun thing to do. And you can end up ruining a motor if you don't get things exactly right. So my father and master mechanics out there, and, and uh, they, they have specialized equipment that help them to tighten nuts and bolts and screws the right amount. This is called a torque wrench. Anybody ever worked with a torque wrench? Yeah. And so a torque wrench is very good for, for these things because you can set it for the right amount of pressure to, to, to uh, tighten something down. Say something needs to have 10 pounds of pressure, you know, uh, at a foot distance, you know, 10 foot pounds of of pressure to tighten it just the right amount. Well, you can set this to exactly 10, and then when you get it to the right pressure, it'll click because it's not tightening that anymore, and it lets you know it's tight enough. Or you can set it to 11 or 15 or 20 or 80 foot-pounds of pressure so you get exactly the right amount, and you can get exactly the right amount on all the, the bolts around the same thing. You see what I'm talking about? My father, while I was growing up and learning, as a, even as a kid, how to, how to tighten nuts and bolts and screws, he was teaching me how to do it. He was teaching me how it felt. He was teaching me to use things like a torque wrench because he wanted me to know the feel of how tight something should be. And over the course of years, I was learning. But for years, especially picture being a teenager and your dad says, hey, tighten those down for me. And I knew what was going to happen. I was going to tighten them down with this. And then my father was going to come behind me and he was going to tweak each one to make sure that each one was just right. And I'm like, Dad, I'm using a torque wrench. I can do this. He's like, well, son, you got to learn. And you have to do this just right, and we can't afford any mistakes. And so I want you to learn well enough by using the torque wrench that you're going to have the feel of it when you don't have a torque wrench. 
Does that make sense? And it was a process, and it was frustrating at times. And there were times that I stripped the heads off, and there were times that I didn't get it right. And he'd say, well, you got most of them, but that one wasn't, you know, I'd be like, oh, you know. It's frustrating. But I learned to the point that I was allowed to put the heads on this $10 million car. That's pretty cool. And I didn't complain when he went back and checked them, and they were all good. But it was a big deal, right? My father, in doing this, was disciplining me. I don't mean that my father was punishing me. He was not punishing me. My father was giving me the discipline to do something. He was showing me how to do something that I didn't yet know how to do on my own. Um, Think of it this way. Here's another example of discipline. Think about a preschooler who's learning for the first time how to write the letters in their name. And they're not very good at it. None of us were when we started, right? And now imagine a teacher coming alongside the student and wrapping, the teacher wraps their hand around the student's little hand that's holding the pencil and helps them to make the letters. Do you have that picture? That's a picture of discipline. It's helping you to do what one day you'll do on your own. That's what discipline is. We think discipline is punishment. We use the word, well, I got disciplined today. Oh, is that why you're not sitting down? But discipline is not punishment. Discipline is more like the cast that you wear on your arm when you break your arm to give you the strength until your arm heals and can have the strength on its own. That's discipline. Um, Life takes discipline. And where people have learned self-discipline, they don't have to be forced by outside control. So many of the laws that we have in our nation are there because people don't have self-control. Think about driving. Uh, when you and I can handle ourselves in a car, then there are rules that we don't need anymore. Uh, when, when we can stay in our lane, when we can be considerate of other drivers, when we cannot let our emotions dictate our choices behind the wheel, when we consider the safety of others, And show respect to them while we're driving. If we could all do that, how many rules would we need on the road? Basically none. The freedom that we have when we can drive and do those things is enormous. Think about all the places, as long as you have gas money, think about all the places that you can go. You could walk out the door right now, get in the car, and think about all the places you can go that you're free to go 
because you can stay in your lane. And because you aren't knocking other people out of your lane. But as soon as you can't stay in your lane, as soon as you're knocking other people out of the way, as soon as you're making a nuisance out of yourself because you don't have self-control, oh, people will find a way to control you. You will be in the jail calling and hoping somebody will bail you out. Laws are there to provide control that people don't have on their own. Now, here's a phrase. Self-discipline brings freedom. If you can control yourself, then you can be free in a way that people who can't control themselves will never be free. If we have to control you, are you free? No. If you can control yourself, are you free? Yes. Yes, exactly. I was talking with a gentleman in Kenya about this very thing, um, talking about the millions of laws that we have in the United States that regulate our behavior. And, and, and I was asking, do you know why we have all those laws? Because we have, we have laws. Just Judge, we have too many laws. He said, amen. But, but the reason we have to have laws like that is because people can't regulate themselves. They don't control themselves, so we have to try and find ways to control them. This is not the way that it was intended when God set things up in the beginning. In Genesis, God creates Adam and Eve... And do you know how many directions, how many laws, how many things he told them to do that would regulate their behavior? What was it? Don't eat the alpha that tree. He also gave two others. He said, be fruitful and multiply. And he said, govern the earth. That's what you're here to do. You're supposed to fill the earth up and make it do what I want it to do. And don't eat of that tree. Now compare that to the libraries full of laws that we have now. Because people can't control themselves. Isn't that, doesn't that just kind of make you a little sad and wistful? Maybe a little upset? If we could control ourselves, how many laws would we need? Those three? We might need just those three. Jesus, Jesus took a different route from it. He, he cut it down to two. You remember the two? Jesus said, Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. read it with me. Love the Lord your God with all your hearts and with all your soul and with all your mind. Stop. Number one, that's it. Love God. It's the first and greatest commandment. The second one's just as important. Yeah, let's do it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Stop. All the law, all the laws that we have, all the prophets, everything that's been communicated to us, in, especially in the Old Testament and throughout the New Testament, it hangs on those two things. If we could control ourselves, 
We'd only need two. We would only need two. Would that make things a little bit better in the law business? A little bit better. Imagine that. Imagine if everyone was able to abide by these two laws. Imagine what that would be like. You know, would we need prisons? Not if people had self-control. Would we need courts and juries and all that? No. No wonder King David wrote this, Psalm 32, 9. He said, don't be like a senseless horse or a mule that needs a bit and bridle to keep it under control. Don't be one of these, one of these that other people have to control you because you can't control yourself. You're meant for bigger things and greater things than that. And that is the, is the background. That's the mindset of what we find in Hebrews. Our passage from Hebrews 12 has this mindset that's this behind it. So we're going to start in verse 5 where the writer says, Have you forgotten the encouraging words that God spoke to you as his children? He said... My child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline. Hold on, time out. Does discipline mean punishment? No. It means his, his helping you to do something that you can't do yet on your own until you can, right? My child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline. Don't give up when he corrects you. Now, if you're reading out of your Bible, you might have chastises you or punishes you. The word literally means whips. There is a punishment there. And he says, the Lord disciplines those he loves. And he punishes each one that he accepts as a child. Now, this is a quote from Proverbs chapter 3, verses 11 and 12. It's the same thing. Proverbs 3, 11 and 12. The point is that God intends for you and I to grow up and to become mature and to become self-disciplined. So we don't have to be controlled by outside influences. And yes, sometimes that does involve punishment. Um, for instance, if, if I drive drunk, I'll be punished. There are consequences. I will receive correction. Then I'll receive discipline. There are classes that are intended to help me learn what it is to be responsible on the road before I'm allowed to drive again. If I don't drive drunk, I have greater freedom because I'm self-controlled. If I can't control myself, somebody will control me. Right? Amen. Now he goes on. He says, as you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. This was written at a time when Christians were being persecuted. They were being persecuted like we, we, we find in some places around the world today. In northern Nigeria in northern Kenya, in China, in, in some places in the Middle East, there's, there's persecution like they were facing. Uh, and it was hard. 
And this was a letter that was intended to encourage them and to give them the right mindset so that they could keep on and continue being faithful. And sometimes, even though we don't face what they were facing, sometimes life is hard. And, and, and sometimes that's because God is trying to teach us how to grow up. I don't care what your age is. I've known some old people that need to grow up. And he does it because he loves us and because he wants us to be able to live into the same purposes that he gave Adam and Eve. We're meant to govern the world on his behalf. That's not to say, ooh, we're in charge. That's meant to say that we know our place and we know what to do to make this world become the place that God intends. And we need to grow up to be able to do it. Amen? Buana asafiwe. Amen. When we face hardship, I think this author is suggesting to us When you face hardship, don't just complain about it. There may be purpose behind it. Now, was it easy for me to learn what I've learned, and I've only learned this much about how to tighten nuts and bolts and screws? I was frustrated at times. It chapped my britches that Dad didn't trust me while he was teaching me, right? Right? Now, that's only a very small thing. There there are things that we're learning that truly are hard, that really are difficult. Things that we're asking people to pray for us because of the things that we're facing. But what if, what if God is using these things to help to get us to do what we were meant to do all along? To learn what it is to handle our finances the right way. To learn what it is to handle our relationships the right way. To learn what it is to care for the people that other people don't have time or interest in caring for. Instead of of complaining in these hard times, what if, just what if... Our first question was not, why is this happening to me? But why is this happening to me? What should I be learning from this? If I had done things differently just before, would things be different now? Is there something that I did that, ooh, I can tell now I shouldn't have done? And I can avoid this in the future. Or or maybe there's something I didn't do that I should. I didn't balance the checkbook for 14 months in a row. and Maybe that's a mistake. Maybe I should learn from that. Is, is there something that I could have done that would have avoided the situation that I'm in? Um, don't overspend. Follow a budget. Don't flirt because things happen when you flirt. Um, d- drop that friendship because... That gets me into trouble every time. Take a breath before I lose my temper. In, in Africa, uh, on, we had a team of seven on our mission team. One of them was a retired bishop named Joseph Kanuku. And he, he said, 
While I am on the team, I am not a bishop. I am Brother Joseph. So we, I, we called him Brother Joseph unless we were around other people. Then we showed him the respect that he deserves as a father in the faith and called him bishop. But, but Bishop Joseph, uh, he, he, taught from, he, he taught this whole group of people, this 250 clergy and lay leaders that, that we were sent to teach. He was teaching them that, that principle about don't lose your temper. He said, when something happens that, that upsets you, he says, what I want you to do is I want you to go to the side of a room and get on your knees. And I want you to walk on your knees to the other side of the room. And then I want you to turn around and walk back on your knees to the first side of the room. He said, do that before you write the letter. Do that before you have the meeting. Do that before you make the phone call. He was saying, take some time. Breathe. Don't fly off the handle. And those are good lessons, aren't they? That's part of what it is to learn to grow up and to be self-controlled. God loves us and he wants us to be shaped by correction. He goes on. Hebrews. Who who ever heard of a father who's never of a child who's never disciplined by its father? I mean, the truth is we all have, haven't we? You've seen children that weren't disciplined, right? They weren't taught what to do and what not to do. Do do we have words for children like that? Brats, wild childs. Um and I don't want to be derogatory toward children, but we all admit that there are things we need to learn, don't we? And a good father is going to discipline his children. Not, I'm not saying a good father is going to whip his children. I'm saying a good father is going to help his children be able to self-control. If God doesn't discipline you as he does all of his children, it means you're illegitimate. You're really not his children at all. But are you his children? Yes. Yes. Therefore, God is going to love you enough to put you in situations that are meant to help you learn that self-control. Those ways of thinking that you need to think. And there aren't there thoughts that we need to think and thoughts we don't. He's going to put you in situations where you have to choose those. He's going to put you in situations where your actions and the consequences of your actions are meant to teach you so that you learn from those things. Freedom is not about doing what you want Freedom is about doing what's right. And if you can self-regulate and do what's right, oh my goodness, the freedom that you'll have, it will let you go anywhere. Would you rather be left on your own? Would you rather not have a father in heaven and be stuck in the frustration of not knowing what to do? That's why we have the scriptures. That's why the Holy Spirit comes to live in us when we 
believe and receive the, the gospel is to teach us these things. To help us grow and mature into the full image of Jesus. To, to, uh, um, years ago, the, so many people had bracelets and bumper stickers about WWJD. What would Jesus do? What a great question. Because we're meant to grow up into that. We're meant to mature. We're meant to put childish ways behind us. We're meant to take off the old nature, the, the sinful nature, the one, the one that has all these bad habits and the one that pits itself against God and, and strives against the, the control. And instead be the one that submits to God. That learns and, and comes to know him and, and what he intends and what his plans and purposes are so that we can enter into those. Now, since we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the father of our spirits and live forever? Of course. Our earthly fathers, they disciplined us for a few years, doing the best they knew how. Even if yours, even, even if you had a bad experience, I hope that in Christ you can give the grace to know they did the best they could. They may not have been able to do much. But they did the best they could. But God's discipline is always good for us. How often is God's discipline good for us? How often is God's discipline good for us? One more time. How often is God's discipline good for us? Always. Why does he discipline us? So that we might share together in his in his holiness. God really does know what he's thinking. He really does intend for us to be like him. To, to, to bear the fruit that comes from being like him. Not only does self-discipline bring freedom. Greater self-discipline brings greater freedom. You know, once I learned... As a child, not to just wander and run off into traffic and, and to look both ways before crossing the street. I had a lot more freedom. All of a sudden, Mama didn't have to hold my hand anymore. Wouldn't it be good as none of us have grown up as much as we need to? None of us have. All of us have potential here. All of us have greater freedom that awaits us. All of us have a greater understanding uh, that awaits us of who God is and what he intends. And if we could see like God sees, of course we do like God says. Sometimes we have to do like God says so that we can come to see as God sees. Self-discipline brings freedom and greater self-discipline brings greater freedom. Now, it's not pleasant. No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It hurts. The pain that some of us are going through right now, you, I, I truly have sympathy. I mean, and if we knew your story, 
It might bring tears to our eyes and, and have our jaws drop. And I mean, it's real. It's not pleasant. It, it can be painful. But afterwards, if we're shaped by it, if we learn to see what God's hand is doing in the middle of it, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. We want to live full lives. We want to have great adventures and, and great passion and peace and fullness and fulfillment and, and purpose and joy and meaning in life. And it comes through submitting to the Lord and learning those lessons. These things come when we've been shaped by God, when we've been trained by trouble. So, we're told, take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. If life is difficult right now, if it's hard, if it's not enjoyable, if it's frustrating, roll up your sleeves. Take another step. Set your purpose toward learning the lesson that needs to be learned. Because God is not here trying to squish you out like a bug. God is trying to raise you up like a son and daughter. He wants you to learn from it and move on. Mark out a straight path for your feet. Get, read the scriptures. Read through Proverbs. Get the wisdom that, that he wants you to know. So that... Those who are weak and lame won't fall, but they'll become strong. Figure out the path that you need to take and start taking it. Learn what it is you need to learn. Whatever it is, what discipline do you need to be shaped by? More exercise and less junk food? More listening, yes, less yelling? What's God trying to teach you? There may be a reason that life is hard. So how do you respond? Because how you respond matters a great deal. God is sovereign. And he is good. And he is not out to get you. Don't be foolish enough to misinterpret the signs. Like Jesus spoke to in the gospel in Luke. Don't be foolish enough. You can read the signs on so many things. Apply that to this. Apply that to this. Now, if you'd like prayer over this because of where you are, we have people that can pray for you after you take communion. There are prayer ministers go through those doors and across the hall. There are prayer ministers who are there who will be glad to pray with you. I'll be glad. We have... We have uh, Pastoral staff that would be glad to talk with you and meet with you, pray with you, be glad to do it. But don't wait. I'd encourage you to go ahead and start today. And uh, just as a way of making a good beginning, may I pray for all of us for this. Lord be with you. Father, help us to see your hand at work. That there are times that our trouble 
is really meant to be something that shapes us. It's training for us. Oh God, help us to learn the things that we need to learn. The hard issues that we need to step away from. The, the, the things we keep getting ourselves into over and over. Oh God, help us to step away from those. And live into the fullness of what it is to be your son and daughter. I pray that you would answer the prayers of the people who are asking you why. And they really mean it, God. So let them know. Let them know. Let them know you love them. Let them know that you have plans and purposes. Let them know the steps that they should take and what they should learn. And then help them to do that. Bring discipline into their lives. Something that... that a brace that will strengthen them until they can be self-disciplined. Father, thank you that you're, you plan and you purpose that we should grow up and be mature like Jesus and be able to put all these things behind us. Oh, help us to live into that because then your kingdom is going to grow even more. Then there are going to be people out there that we can reach that we can't reach yet. Then there are going to be ways that we raise our children, our grandchildren, to know you. And they won't have to go through the stuff that we've gone through. Oh, God, help us to have the self-discipline that brings freedom. So that we can freely worship and know and love and share the gospel. That's our prayer in the mighty name of Jesus.